As a teenager in high school, I did that. It was so mortifying. I look back and even then I was like, God, oh, that's embarrassing. <laughs> Welcome back to Dear Shandy, listeners. Hello, Andy. Hello. How are you today? I'm doing great. Doing great. How are you doing? Oh, oh my God, you're asking me. I'm asking, yeah. I sometimes forget. I'm okay, I think. Q&As, like I always have to gear myself up for them. They're like, it takes a lot out of us. Yeah. But we love doing them. We do. It's a labor of love. Yes, truly. Truly. (gasps) (laughs) Aw. Shall we get answering our lovely Shandy's cues? Let's say the cues. All right. All right, this first question is from Roni. Like Love rice? That name. Huh? Uh, like of the rice uh family? <laughs> that was funny. Thank you. <laughs> a little like... Uh, it's hacky. A little hacky for you, but yeah. I liked it. Yeah. Dear Shandy, I'm so excited to finally have a question I can ask you guys. First, let me say how much I have thoroughly enjoyed watching your show, but even more so how much I have enjoyed seeing your relationship via Dear Shandy. Thank you, Roni. Thank you. As someone who grew up surrounded exclusively by dysfunctional romantic relationships, I spent nearly my entire life being extremely jaded about relationships and believing a deep, supportive, loving partnership was just the stuff of fantasies. Seeing you guys and hearing your story has given me renewed hope that it is possible to find a person who will wholly love, appreciate, and support you, and vice versa. And for that, I want to give you guys a very enthusiastic and heartfelt thank you. Roni, thank you. That's sweet. How beautiful. Now, for my story slash question. I, 32 female, met this man, 34 male, on Hinge about a month and a half ago. We both live in New England, just under an hour apart. When we were planning our first date, I had told him I would be leaving town to go to New York City. Born and bred Manhattan Jew here, hearing Andy's anecdotes always makes me feel at home. (laughs) To visit my family for a few weeks, as my grandparents aren't doing well. We went on a lovely first date, after which he expressed enthusiasm for seeing me again upon my return to Massachusetts. While I was in New York, we texted daily, long, involved texts, learning about each other, talking about some deep stuff, some silly stuff, etc. He was extremely kind and supportive throughout this time. I returned to Massachusetts and we went on a second date roughly a month after our first date. This second date was honestly phenomenal. It lasted eight to nine hours and we connected more than I've connected with anyone else previously. And I saw real future potential in him and us, which is uncommon for me. We texted a bit after that date and set up a third date. And then I noticed the texting starting to dwindle. Until this morning, when I received a novel-length text from him apologizing profusely for the dwindling texting and explaining what he was feeling both towards me and in general, that he felt our connection was extremely strong and he likes me a lot, but that in the time we'd been talking, he'd been seeing someone else as well. I assumed this, we weren't by any means exclusive, and he felt his feelings intensifying for that other girl and he wanted to pursue her. Ugh, that hurts. He was extremely kind, honest, and thorough in his explanation, and I am really very sad that this didn't work out for us. He said the same. My question is this. Is it ever okay to put it out there to someone that, should they be single in the future, you're welcome to reach out, and if we're both single, maybe we could go on another date? Is this leaving the door open or inviting them to make you a second choice? Is there ever a good reason to do this, or is this move always a bad idea across the board, even in a situation like this where it seems like timing just wasn't my friend? Would love to hear your thoughts and analogies. Thank you so much, Roni. I actually have an analogy. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. So no, it's never a good idea to do this. It's not the worst idea, but I would compare it to when you're walking with somebody in the street and they like trip over the sidewalk. Okay. And you say, oh, watch your step. (laughs) (laughs) I actually, that annoys me. I mean, no one, no one is not annoyed by that. Really? So I'm normal and being annoyed by that? Everyone is annoyed by that because you already tripped. What are the, how are they helping you? Yeah. You can make a case that maybe they planted a seed in your head that in the future, I'll hear that voice again and watch mm, my step. It's more likely that you tripping is what will right. cause you to watch your step. It's not going to help. And it it might possibly hurt your, your relationship with this person. Oh, wait. Oh, wow. Okay. So, okay. I saw this a little differently in that I was like, I wasn't in support of her saying it just because I think it almost goes without saying. Like they had this really amicable ending where yes. he was like, look, I just, I really feel more strongly about someone else. And she's like, oh, that's a shame. It goes without saying, yeah. just like it goes without saying, you should watch your step if you trip in the street. <laughs> that's my point. I guess I just didn't really see it causing damage. But now that you mention it, I suppose... Her going out of her way to send another text being like, if we're ever both single at the same time in the future, it's it shows a little too much. Groveling. I don't want to say groveling because it's not even that, because I get the sense that she's right about this. You know, they had an eight or nine hour date. It was magical. Like she really felt something special with him. And I can see how that would be hard to let go. So you almost want to give it an extra bit of like, like you want to give that final text a little more gravity so it doesn't feel like the door is shut entirely. But I th- I think ultimately it does go without saying. The door is the way it is. There's no, you're not affecting that door at all. The only thing she might do mm. is close the door a little bit by saying, let's keep the door Seeming open. Seeming a little too eager. Too eager and too easy. Yeah. Make it hard. He's made it hard for you. He's basically ended this potential relationship. Yeah, you're right. Why are you making it easy for him? Just mm-hmm. to accept it. And just say like, all right, well, it was nice knowing you. Yeah. And that's it. And if he's going to come back, he certainly is going to come back without you saying, oh, the door is still open. Like, like someday in the future, he's like, you know, she did say the door was still open. (laughs) (laughs) And because she said that, I'm willing to reach back out. No, you're right. Because it did end well. It would be different if she had gotten angry or something at the end, and then she felt the need to to change that vibe, the ending vibe. But you're right. It ended well. They both know they got along. If it doesn't work out with the other girl, I honestly think he would reach back out to her. Absolutely. No words are going to change his feeling someday when he decides to reach out to her again, except maybe that she said, you should reach out to me sometime in the future. And then I'll be like, eh. Okay, so that's interesting. So you're from a male perspective with this. If a girl did that to you, you would instantly put her one tick more towards easy. You know what I would think? What I would think is the door is perpetually open to her. I never have to worry about it. Uh, Anytime I want to come back, that door is open. Uh, that's not a good, no, that's bad. That's what I'm saying. See, that's the thing. I feel like she talked about, you know, the line between the door being open and inviting them to make you second choice. I think her saying something is more likely to lean into second choice territory versus the door being open. The yeah. door is open just just by Every, them both back in. Everyone away with their knows hands up. the door is open. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Maybe they'll come back and the door will be closed. The wind shut it closed. Yeah. You know, you don't know what's gonna happen. But mm-hmm. you, everyone knows the door is theoretically open. Yeah. The only thing that can happen from her saying that yeah. the door is open is a negative. Uh-huh. 
Okay. It's possibly a wash. It's possibly nothing. It's very possibly he won't remember. She said that he won't care. Yeah. He won't even register it. But it's possible that it will be damaging to her future potential with him. At first, I was like, how could it do damage? But you're right. I think it could just it could just color his perception yes. of her just by one just the, shade. And it's not worth it. It's not that it can do damage. The only thing it can do is damage. Mm. So I would not do it. <laughs> OK. All right, Roni. Good luck. I'm sorry that happened. That that blows. That's like the, yeah, the idea that, sucks. that yeah, the, yeah. the heart of this is that this sucks yeah. and we feel bad for you and this no one likes this happening. Dating but is, oof, dating is rough out there right now, man. It's rough. OK, so actually this next question is almost like a variation on that theme. And mm. I, I put them together purposely. OK. And it is from Am I Being Too Forgiving? Mm. Dear Shandy, I really enjoyed listening to your solid advice, especially when it is critical. You guys always remain kind but honest, so I value your opinion. Thank you, um, forgiving. (laughs) (laughs) Hoping you'll read this because I could really use a reality check. So in March, I met a guy on the apps and we talked and met a few times. He was very upfront that he wasn't looking for a girlfriend, but wanted to see how things went because he is in med school and studying all the time or doing rotations. With this conversation, I said I was looking for a relationship, but didn't mind getting to know him as long as he wasn't a definite no. I've had a lot of guys say this, and it seems like they assume when I say I'm looking for a relationship, I mean with them. That has hardly ever been the case, but I believe in dating intentionally. I I agree with that. Sure. After hanging out like five times, he ghosted me. We hadn't been physical at this time or anything, so it's not a situation where he got laid and ditched. Honestly, I wasn't too hurt because it was very casual, more like friendship, and I knew he was going through some severe depression. A month later, he reached back out and wanted to explain why he ghosted, so we met for coffee. Probably shouldn't have even responded, but it was nice. I was only expecting to catch up and go our separate ways on good terms, but he started talking about trying things again. I was super thrown off and admittedly probably acted nervous and weird about it, but agreed. The next week, he had basically no communication and a few days later sent me a text saying, quote, I've enjoyed our time together, but I've reconnected with someone and will be pursuing this. I appreciate getting to know you and wish you the best, unquote. At this point, I'm kind of pissed because it seems like he was reaching out to all his past dates to see which one he liked the most. But at the same time, I completely understand being a better fit with someone else. I didn't see any constructive way to respond, so I just ignored the message. Now, five to six months later, he sends me a text that says, well, I'm single again and know that I'm looking for a relationship. Like an idiot, I responded, and he is again wanting to meet to explain his actions. Would it be stupid to do this? Am I settling for being a backup option? I'm torn because at the time we hardly knew each other, so of course if there was someone he had more background with, it made sense to explore that. But also, I want someone who is excited about me. And what if he's reaching out to everyone with the same message? Is he only reaching out because it's easy? I could understand if we had been physical and he just wanted to quickly have sex with someone, but that wasn't at all part of it. There was kissing, which was amazing, but reaching out after five months based on a kiss seems weird. 
If you want to know why I'm even considering it, truthfully, he's nice and smart and attractive. Also, I kind of respected that he told me he wanted to pursue something else. It was a dick move, but it was honest. Plus, I've been on a lot of dates this year, and he's the only person I even wanted to see a second time. Maybe it's dating fatigue. Hoping to get your opinion, I'm guessing the answer will be to block and move on, but would appreciate your nuanced view. Thank you all the best. Am I being too forgiving? All right. Well, <laughs> first of all, this guy's a clown. Oh, okay. And I think he is a perfect example of how online dating has allowed clowns mm. to have access yeah. to a lot of dates. To ghost after five dates? And like- what kind of... what The guy has no game. Like, he's sending out... He's probably, she's right. I think he's probably sending that text to a few people. Yeah. He's basically sending out a mass email <laughs> saying, hey, I'm uh, market's open. Anybody interested? Like, yeah, what it, is it's that? almost like he, oh, that's so interesting. It's almost like he doesn't want to start over, all over again yeah. now that he's single again. So he wants to pick back up with, you know, these semi-started ones. It's, yeah. it's like he, you know, like half, well, a half-finished book. He's like, I don't want to start a book from the beginning. I'll go back to that that one I started Exactly. Already. And how unromantic is that? Why couldn't he just send her a specific message referencing something that they shared together mm. or a joke or something a little sexier than, hey, I'm free. You, you, wanna, <laughs> you want to, can I put it in you? <laughs> like, what is that? Uh, I don't like it. You can see why I put it right after the other one because... This is someone who did say he wasn't he was pursuing something with someone else and now he actually has come back. I think the difference is this guy's way skeezier than the other one. I think so, yeah. Like I think this guy's more of a player than the other one. I think that Roni was there was like a real connection there and this guy I feel like he's just playing the field. But I don't think he deserves to be a player. It's an this insult guy. to players. <laughs> what is that? How is that game? Yeah. Look, this is the way I'll answer this question and this may be offensive, but if she's hard up I would say give it a shot. Mm-hmm. If she has some options, I would say block. Mm-hmm. And that's just that's just reality. I don't know what I don't know how to say that in a in a soft way. No, I think that that's honest, and we know that she appreciates honesty. <laughs> I feel her when she says, "You know, it's the only person I've been interested in seeing a second time," and she's torn between that and the fact that she wants someone to be excited about her from the onset. Like, and she's being really reasonable about yeah. this. If I were you forgiving, I would not respond to the latest text and mm. see if he follows up, see how persistent he is. That's a nice middle ground. Yeah. It's sort of like a test. It's like you have to prove to me with an, at least one more message that's sure. really specific and not just like, hey, like copy paste. I'm I'm back on the market. Any takers? Yeah. Agreed. There's nothing bespoke about him reaching back out right. after half a year. He's saying it loud and clear. And I think that this is the only option. The only option, whether your objective is to get to where you said or your objective is to get to where I said, which Mm -hmm. is just forget about this guy. Either way, she should not respond. You know, it also bothers me. Like, I get being upfront and like managing expectations. But when it starts off from a place of like, I'm not I'm not looking for relation. I'm not doing this. Like it just right off the bat, the vibe of this guy felt. Market. He's a trader at the market. Yes. It's like a fishmonger. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I got fresh cod today. I got fresh cod. Anybody wants this? No more cod today, but today I have yeah. halibut. I got a great Arctic char. <laughs> <laughs> Try the halibut. The halibut's very fresh. Yeah. It, uh, it's not the right. I just don't think that that's the way to get started. No. 
The way to get started is with nuanced romance yeah. and like specificity and humor. Yeah, bond and, over and, and deep thoughts. Yeah, bond over your thoughts on on halibut, not on how far along you can see this going before you even talk about stupid shit that doesn't matter. Like I actually think the stupid shit that doesn't matter matters more than the stuff that matters in the beginning. You know, I a hundred percent what I'm looking for. How, how much time do I have to date? How serious are you? Blah, yeah. Blah, blah. yeah. I, w- I would, I would say that a good text or a way better text mm-hmm. would have been like, Hey, I'm in your neighborhood. You want to get some halibut? <laughs> yeah. It's sad how much better that oh, would have been. That actually is a very solid this, reconnecting text. This reminds <laughs> me of. <laughs> it's confusing too. They're like, wait a minute. I want to get to the bottom of this. How is the halibut prepared? Yeah. This actually reminds me a bit, like the the idea of talking about halibut. I don't know why halibut is now. Halibut's the, thing we're the talking. funniest fish. I don't know why the it's name. The funniest halibut. standard garden variety fish. Yeah, it's the, the funniest name. name. Every joke, every time I make a joke about fish, it's halibut or cod. What about fluke? No, but fluke is an actual word. Skate. An actual word. <laughs> okay. But not Arctic char. No, but Arctic char is too much word. It sounds too fancy. Yeah, halibut. That lands. Cod <laughs> lands. Okay. This actually does remind me a bit of The Bachelor. I remember in that experience, and you know, when you watch it now too, it's like, I just want to see people or I want to be talking about stupid things. Like I, I want to walk around and be like, oh, I hate slow walkers. You yeah. know what I mean? Just something that's in your everyday, just ugh. Yes. That's why on these dating shows, I hate all this stuff with like, who wants to see where they're like, I find our connection yes. so strong, yeah. you know, and I really can see a life with you. Yeah. And I really am so happy that I met you. Like, no, that's baseline. Yeah, or, we know that. Or I'm looking for a serious relationship. This is something I really want. Yeah. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. It's like, yeah. I just don't feel I like that. I can see starting a family with yeah. you. Like, this is oh, all God, like enough no. already. <laughs> Show me why. Why is it mm-hmm. that you feel that way in specific dumb ways? Yeah. The stupidest thing you can think of. Yeah. Why is it? Yeah. Talk about halibut. Exactly. The title of the email is, should I block this guy? No, you don't have to block him. Just don't respond to it. Yeah. That's Charlene's right. Think, Don't respond. I think he can continue to audition for you. Yeah. And if he chooses not to, then that is all the information you need. That's exactly right. Yeah. You win either way. Either he doesn't respond to you and you have your answer, or maybe you get a halibut text. <laughs> Hopefully. That's ideal. At least something more customized to her yes. and what they share. Yes. Okay. Good luck. Forgiving. <sighs> Don't be too. Mm. All right, this next question is from M as in the letter. Hi, Shandy. I am a relatively new listener to your podcast, but I have already binge listened to all of your Q&A episodes as they are my absolute favorite. Thank you. We like that kind of Shandy. Your responses are equally entertaining as they are thought-provoking and have even been the subject of some of my journaling prompts. LOL. Ooh. Ooh. Isn't that funny to think that we've weaseled our way into people's journals? (laughs) It's weird. (laughs) I am hoping to get your thoughts on a topic in my relationship that has been nagging at me for some time now and all of my friends and family more or less share the same backgrounds and biases as me, so I'd appreciate an external view on the matter. I am 25 and my boyfriend is just a few months younger and we have been together for a year and a half. We met when I moved to the tri-state area where he is from while I was in a temp position at my company. I have since moved a few states away from my new role, so we have been long distance for the past year. 
The relationship itself checks all my boxes for what I want in a long-term partner. We are both extremely passionate for one another. We have great communication and trust despite the long distance and our life goals and where we see ourselves in the future align. Are you waiting for a bud, Andy? I mean, I assume there's a bud. So here's my internal dilemma. He still lives with his mother. Mm -hmm. I should preface that this is not due to financials or his mother needing him in the house for any extenuating circumstances. He is also a first-generation American from a culture where you live with your parents until you're married. And his brother, who is an extremely accomplished academic, did not move out until he was 26, and this was only because he took a new job across the country. A few months ago, my boyfriend started a new well-paying job in Manhattan where he has to drive to take a train to take another train. The whole commute takes over two and a half hours Mm. and then often spends the night on a friend's couch. Ouch. He has complained about this commute a few times and has brought up on his own that he is interested in looking at apartments, but it seems there is always a reason as to why he isn't actively looking. When I was single, my ideal partner would have definitely been moved out of their parents' house, and this was something that would normally be a deal breaker for me. But when we first met, we were only a year out of undergrad and COVID was still very much prevalent. His place of work was only 20 minutes away from his family home, and he was set on living there for a while to save up for a down payment on a home of his own. This didn't happen, and he never made active steps into house hunting or making clear savings goals to save up by a certain time, and it seems he has since abandoned the idea. With this new role in the city, he first discussed moving to Manhattan, but decided he didn't want to pay that much. Fair. He then discussed some surrounding areas where he would be interested in renting. So with house hunting being a passion of mine, (laughs) we have this in common, M. I love looking at listings. I took to Zillow and Street Easy and sent him numerous listings within his criteria and offered to fly out to go with him on tours. After some nagging on my end about touring, his response was that he's going to hold off on looking until the winter when rent will be cheaper. My issue here is that I don't believe him after about a year of saying he's going to save up for a house or saying he's going to find an apartment somewhere. I worry the longer he puts off living on his own, the more we will be in different places in our lives. I have lived on my own for three years now and he never has outside of college, which doesn't really count. In a year, I will have the opportunity to move back to where he lives and we've discussed moving in together, but I do not want to live with a man who has only ever lived with his mother. I also worry that his reasons feel more like excuses to me and that this is a sign of a lack of willingness to take initiative in his own life. Not to mention, when I come to visit him, which is every other month, we need to stay in a hotel that one of us has to pay for, which due to money shortens the already precious time we can see each other. I have brought some of these concerns up in passing, but is it worth having a sit-down talk over yet? Should I just wait until the end of the winter to bring it up? Is moving out of your parents as important as I'm making it out to be? And am I being shallow on this issue? And how do I address that this is bothering me without coming across as harsh or judgmental, even though I am being kind of judgy, lol? (laughs) Thank you for your time and consideration, M. Mm, it's a good one and i think relatable yeah definitely especially with you know the tail end of the pandemic you know she didn't see an issue with it at first yeah first of all i think especially now 
And culturally in America, I think there's nothing really wrong about living with your parents at 25. Mm. I think there are a lot of people in this country over 30 living with their parents. Yeah, I think know. it can get a lot weirder down yeah. the road. So, so but 25 is not that age no, in my eyes. No, this is not like a deal breaker situation. Yeah. The question becomes not whether it's good or not to be living with your parents at 25 or whether that works for their relationship. The question is, why is he avoiding the real answer to the question? Mm. Is it that he has really tight bonds with his family? Is it that he's kind of broke or he has real financial doesn't issues? Sound like, doesn't sound like it. Yeah. I don't know what his job is. I'm assuming it's a decent job. She he's said high paying. If he's commuting two and a half hours for a job and it's high paying, I assume this is a pretty financially good job. Yeah. Is it that he doesn't want to leave for convenience? Does he like living with his mother? I That's mean, an issue. Yeah. <laughs> I actually am getting a bit of that. Like the idea is nice. Like, oh, I don't want to yeah. sleep on the sofa. I don't want to commute that far. It's like, yeah, I want my own place. But I do imagine living with your mother. Is he doing all his own laundry? Is Maybe the guy hates doing own- laundry. Maybe he's not washing his own dishes. I don't know. We don't know the ins and outs of how much work he's doing around the house living with his mother. But I agree. It's not so much his age and the fact that he lives with his mother like that. You know, especially if it's culturally the norm for them. But more so him saying he wants to do something or he intends to do something and then almost like losing interest in it out of, I don't know, laziness. Like it it just doesn't. he's, He's not being clear with her. He's yeah. not being fully open. That's the problem here. Yeah. Let's forget about the logistics and the, the, the facts. Okay. He is not telling her the truth. He's being evasive. Mm. And in a relationship, there has to be a really open line of communication if it's going to work long term. And I think that she is totally in the right to have a sit down with him about this. Mm. I don't think this works for her. I think it turns her off. I think it concerns her. It creates stress. I don't think this is a viable solution for their relationship, for him to just be in this like middle ground. Trust me, he's not going to get an apartment in the winter. And since (laughs) when do apartments get so much cheaper in the winter? I didn't realize real estate was all about seasons. Who is this guy? I mean, it might be marginally cheaper. Like $5 yeah, cheaper? Yeah, it's not going to make a big difference. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Maybe heating like gas and electric? I think it, it more so makes a difference if you have land and and you're buying or selling because yeah. of like photographs, if you can like see the land. Let's face it, this is a bullshit excuse. <laughs> Right. I'm trying to find a way to make his like, excuse work. You it wait to you like wait for winter to go skiing. I feel like this we're starting to see the cracks in you know the uh, different personality types that maybe just haven't come to a head yet. You know, she said they've been together a year and a half and they've been long distance for a year of that. And when they got together he was living with his mother blah blah blah, the, you know, pandemic, you know, it makes it made sure. all the sense in the world. They were fresh out of college, all this stuff. You know, there are a lot of people that would be totally fine with him kind of like, oh, yeah, I want to do this. Oh, no, I've changed my mind. Oh, I want to do this. Oh, I'll wait till the winter. You know, that is not uncommon, especially Mm -hmm. in a 25-year-old. But meanwhile, M actually strikes me as a little type A. You know, she's like she observed that he had intended to save to buy a place, but he actually didn't have a savings plan in mind. He didn't have like a budget, you know, like, you know, what I mean, like she's a lot more structured And he said, you know, he probably mentioned in passing that he was interested in buying a place. And suddenly she's on Zillow and Street Easy, you know, finding listings. She's willing to fly and go on tours with him. I wonder if he's just a little more like, la, la, la. And she's, you know, this is something that will come to a head at some point. It might as well come to a head now, Mm -hmm. I think. Because there may be a good reason. Maybe his mother is really giving him a hard time about leaving. 
She's like, I really want you to stay. And it's giving him conflict. I'm not saying that's a good long-term reason. Yeah. I'm saying it might be giving him conflict because he's trying to figure out how to deal with her before he tells his girlfriend. I'm just saying there's a multitude yeah. of reasons. None of them shouldn't be conveyed to his girlfriend mm-hmm. truthfully. Mm-hmm. That's the issue. Just yeah. tell her the truth. And if she can't get the truth, which she has, and I don't believe any all the stuff he's saying feels evasive to me. Yeah. This is a deal breaker for her. Yeah. She has to admit that to herself. What I find interesting is how much she's telling us in this email that it doesn't feel like she's expressed to him. Like she says that we've, you know, we've talked about it here and there. I really think that th- he's just a little like wishy-washy and maybe a little I don't want to say lazy because lazy isn't necessarily fair, but there are a lot of people like this or people who are change averse, who who it's a it's a big deal to get an apartment. You know, it's a bigger deal for some people to get an apartment than it is for other people. I got to say, though, and, and, and maybe this is old fashioned, but as a man, I think part of becoming a man is when you have the financial means to live on your own, mm. you should want to do that. That should be something you really desire to do. I remember, look, I love my mother. But when it came time, when I got my first job and I had some money, I was like, I want to live on my own like yesterday. And she did not make it easy. She wasn't happy about it. But I don't think any mother is super psyched about their child leaving the nest. Isn't that funny? They're like not happy about you leaving the nest. But then I feel like if you stay a little too long, suddenly it's not cool either. Yeah. (laughs) Parent-child relationships are hilarious. Yeah, that's a whole, let's not get into that. (laughs) It's so weird to think about. It's like, oh, don't leave, don't leave. But suddenly if you're still living there at 30, it's like, get out. Yeah. Human (laughs) parent. Animal parents is very simple. Well, yeah, it's actually a lot more like yeah, Cold. they want them out. They're like, get out. Remember when we saw that Seawolves documentary yeah. and the eagle. otters? Oh, otters. What were you going to say? The eagle, too. Oh, the eagle. But the otters, she was, you know, she spent a year or something with, was it Rocky? Rocky. Her, her baby otter. Yeah. And oh, then it man, was like overnight. You're old enough. You can hunt for yourself. Bye. See ya. After forever of just like coddling each other and doing everything. They don't, there's no sentimentality. It's just, they know when it's time. It's like one day the sun rises and they're like, get off my stomach. (laughs) Get off my stomach. Yeah. I want to have a a child free stomach when I flutter my back and do cute stuff with mollusks. (laughs) It wouldn't be a Q and A if we didn't bring some sort of cute animal into the mix. Okay. I think, Em, you should honestly tell your boyfriend everything you said in this email because the biggest risk of all here, and this beca- this would become an actual fracture in the relationship, is if she loses respect for him. If she loses respect for his word, she no longer takes him seriously. You can already sense it in the email. But that's why this has to come to a head soon. Yes. Like this should not wait till the winter yeah, you to see if real estate prices come down. Yeah. You don't ever want to no longer take the word of your partner seriously where you're like, ah, oh, they're just going through some phase. I feel like that's a very dicey territory yeah. to this, enter. This is a perfect example of like where something that seems like a microcosm of mm-hmm. a relationship actually is the macrocosm. Yeah. You know, where this, it's not about living with his parents. Yeah. It's not about moving into his own place. It's not about how old he is to be living with his parents. Yeah. It's about the communication between the two of them. Totally agree. And maybe the truth is that he actually does want to wait till winter. And in the winter, (laughs) he will be buying a substantially cheaper apartment. Can you imagine if he ends up getting some great deal in winter? It's like the ultimate I told you so. On everybody. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right, Em, good luck. I kind of feel like she needs a bit of luck. She needs a bit of luck. Yeah. Yeah. Getting to the bottom of things. Yeah. We'd like an update on this one. Getting the truth. You can't handle the truth. (laughs) All right. This next question is from Anonymous. Dear Shandy, a few weeks ago, I was listening to your fruit fly analogy and laughing out loud in my car. (laughs) I realized the only time I really laugh anymore is when listening to your podcast. Oh. Anonymous. I don't know how I feel That's about that. so nice and sad. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like touched, but I also want her to have more laughter in her life. Maybe we're just that funny. Are we? I don't know. <laughs> and honest, thank you. I, I hope that you surround yourself with people who make you laugh more. We Shandies love you and are so grateful for all those moments of laughter you give us. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you. Oh, that's very sweet. Thank you. I have a friendship question that I don't believe has been asked of you yet. It's regarding a text accidentally sent to the wrong person. Oh, God. I just updated the iOS to the new system. You you can bring a text back. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's pretty cool. Oh, I already have like heebie-jeebies. It happens to all of us, right? Often the mishaps are benign, but in my case, it's been devastating. I've had only one close friend for about 30 years. We are both in our 50s. She's been like a sister to me, but I'll admit we both avoid conflict like the plague. I haven't always been happy in that friendship. I often felt hurt or taken advantage of. As the years went on and my life became more complicated, divorce, etc., I learned she wasn't a safe space. My feelings were often invalidated or ignored. While the friendship was often one-sided, it wasn't all horrible, yet I often felt frustrated by the lack of support. About a year ago, I was venting about said friend to my adult daughter via Uh text Uh after feeling especially dismissed. Mm. Now, I'm not one to use the F-bomb often, but as luck would have it, this particular text was filled with comments such as, I'm so fucking sick of blank. Needless to say, it was bad. Well, you know what comes next. I sent the message to the friend instead of my daughter. It took me 20 minutes to realize what I'd done, and I'll never forget the pit I felt in my stomach. I feel this. You know what that feels like? That feels like when you hit your kneecap on something. Oh. Not even hard. You just hit a little bit. Yeah. And it's that pain where you're like, here it comes. Oh, it's going to get worse. It's about it's to come keep getting in worse. a wave. Yeah. Oh. Oh, dear. Oh, anonymous. I'm oh, sorry. Oh, it's so brutal. Ugh. I immediately texted apologizing profusely. No, you don't text to apologize. You know what you text? You text a joke afterwards. <laughs> Okay, I want to get to the end before we tell our own personal anecdotes on this. Okay. I mean, I don't want to slow your roll. If you want to tell it now, tell it now. <sighs> I might as well get this over with. Okay. But it's, it, I'm going to be very vague here. Okay. But I did once do this, and I recognized it immediately mm-hmm. after my organs settled. I went harder in the next text. <laughs> I was basically like, you fucking pile of shit. Should, I should never have been friends with you in the first place. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> Okay, I, this feels like something men can get away with more so than women. Well, it's 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 the only thing you can do. Because if you apologize, it, you should admitted. call the person. You should be like, okay, we both know what happened here. Yeah. I, I don't know what to tell you. I'm sorry. Like, I, But you did piss me off. Let's talk about it. Or you take the cowardly way out, which is what I did, which worked. It worked. Wait, it worked. Okay. 
Wait, so you followed up with an even meaner text. Like so over the top. I just sent like seven more texts. Like, oh, by the way, I hope you rot in hell. <laughs> like you're the worst friend I've ever had. You know, I just made it over the top. So then maybe they were scratching their head. Like this is an odd set of texts to get in the middle of the afternoon. But it adds up. Oh. And they bought it. At least I think they did. You, uh, what percentage are you sure that they did? Somewhere between 65 and 80. Uh, 65 isn't great, but 80 is pretty Better good. than zero. I'm not sure how I feel about I that. I got some ha-ha-has. Oh. With ha-ha-has are pretty positive. Do you get like laughing emojis? I got some ha-ha-has, yeah. Uh, but I got the kind of ha-ha's where it was like kind of like ha-ha-ha-ha. <laughs> I read between the ha's. Okay. I'll wait to the end before I chime in with my uh, stories on this. Because I actually, she said it happens to everyone. I actually do think this happens to everybody. Okay, so she immediately texted apologizing profusely. Yes, normal people would have apologized in person, but we have never handled conflict that way. My texts went ignored. Later that day, I crafted and sent a sincere apology via email. I shared that I understood what I did was unforgivable, but that she is family and I love her. There was no response. In fact, I never heard a word. And a few days later, she unfriended me on social media. Basically, she has completely ghosted me. I should add that we work together in a large corporation and thankfully our paths rarely cross. A few months ago, however, we did run right into each other and I said a friendly hello as we passed. She smiled but replied with a very flat hello. There have been some work projects that she has iced me out of, which is hurtful, but those situations would mean we'd work together, so I understand. Long story short, one year later, I still feel a lot of shame about my mistake. I understand what I did was horrible, but is it wrong of me? It's not horrible. She did nothing horrible. She screwed up. Everyone does this. Everyone talks shit about people. (laughs) You know what it's like? What this is like is like if someone somehow had like a hidden camera on a couple while Uh they were talking in bed, you could take out all sorts of stuff and make them look like terrible people. Mm. Every couple. Yeah. But it's not their fault. You assume that when you're talking in confidence with someone in private, that the whole world is not going to know about it. Yeah. It's the, it's not, this is not a terrible mm. thing she did. It's not, a, what it is, is a sloppy thing. It's sloppy. It's not terrible. Yeah. So she, she thinks what she did was horrible, but is it wrong of me to feel hurt that she couldn't forgive? To be ghosted is a horrible feeling. It's sad a 30-year friendship ended this way, but I also know I'd be devastated had I been on the receiving end of that text. What's compounded my sadness is that I literally have no other friends, no partner. I feel very alone. Mm-hmm. Oh. I look forward to hearing your thoughts and thank you again for all you do for your shandies. Sincerely anonymous. Okay. So this has happened twice to me, not as extreme. It wasn't like I'm so fucking sick of so and so. But one time I was venting. This is back when I was in my college days. I was venting about someone's like, they were like, what's the word I'm looking for? Incompetent. (laughs) That's a good word. And I vented to them. Her name wasn't in it, though. It was kind of like it could definitely be applied to this person based on the context. But I just I was like, oh, sorry, I meant to send that to someone else. I never really addressed it. But the difference was it was more of like a colleague situation. It wasn't a close friend. So she didn't hold me to it. She didn't demand some explanation. It was more nebulous. Like this is a lot more direct. Yeah. Yeah. Just avoid it. And then 
The other example I have was in my late 20s, and I was venting about one set of girlfriends to another much closer friend of mine, and I accidentally sent it to. You would think I would have learned this should only happen once in someone's life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, text, it's scary how easy it is to send a text. It's good to know that you can undo it now. You can undo it. Yeah, it's yeah. great. But the reason why I think this one's more applicable to anonymous situation is that A, it was more direct. It was clearly about the person who I was sending the text to. So there was no like pretending that it wasn't about them. And B, in the text, I expressed feeling shitty about myself, about feeling hurt, about not feeling like I was being treated like a friend. No. And interestingly... The friend took it much like Anonymous's friend did, which mm. is to say she was like, how dare you talk about me? Um, like there was no sense of like, I upset you. I hurt you. Like, how, can, can we talk about this? How can we solve this? I ended up being the one apologizing profusely, like from beginning to end, even though ultimately I did send the text for a reason. It's because I wasn't happy. I wasn't being heard. And how this friend handled it showed that she was so happy to be the victim in that scenario and wasn't at all interested in knowing why I was sending the text in the first place. And I think that's what I want Anonymous to focus on is the fact that you sent this text for a reason. I'm not saying you sent it to your friend on purpose for a reason. I'm saying that you haven't been happy in this friendship for a long time. And actually, that text fiasco with me kind of became a turning point in that friendship where I started to separate myself a bit. And honestly, it was one of the best things I've done. I mean, what you're saying all makes sense and is correct, I think. But <laughs> but there is a problem here. She said, not to harp on this, but this is like her only really... Well, that's... So this is... This is the problem. Yeah, there's some stuff to unpack there for sure. I think this. I think she should start from scratch. I, this is... Let me start from the top. I think this friend sucks. Mm -hmm. And I think that this was a perfect opportunity for the friend to maybe even develop a stronger bond mm. with Anonymous by saying, look, this happens to everybody. And let's talk about it. What, let, let's talk this out. And let's get closer. Mm -hmm. Instead, there was no empathy. Mm -hmm. Zero. So one-dimensional, her yeah, reception yeah. to this. Like, instead of kind of laughing and being like, oh. We've all done this. I guess yeah, I'm on the receiving take, end. It would take a really big person, though, to, to, be, to scoff off, I'm so fucking sick of so-and-so. Agreed. But it's an entree for her. She has the upper hand now. She could basically go in and be like, okay, so what's up with that? Selfishly, she can get a lot out of it. She could do whatever she wants. But instead, she took the route of like, there is no forgiveness for this. There's no nuance. Yeah. No one, I've never done this. It's no a, one's ever done this. What's amazing to me is that she's not even like, why were you so fucking sick of me? Exactly. <laughs> what did I do wrong? That, that, and that, sh I guess, shows a difference in personality type is because for me, if I receive that text, I would be like, what have I done to make you so fucking sick of me? Like, how have I, I, I how, what, I, what did I say? It, what did I it, do? It shows a lack of humanity. For mm. her to ghost her on this, mm. it shows a lack of humanity, even in the curiosity of it. That, that's Where's what I, the that's human what curiosity? Me. Even if you find it unforgivable, it's the lack of curiosity as to why she sent it. A 30 year friendship? <laughs> I would be excited to know why I was an asshole. It's, I want to know. I, I, I'd be excited. I'd be thrilled to find out why she sent that text to someone, mm. who she sent it to, what was at the bottom of it. Th th this is what I'll say. We just had a. Uh, 
episode with episode 181 with Dr. Marissa G. Franco. Thank you. Talking about how to make and preserve and maintain platonic friendships. I think you, Anonymous, need to find new friends. Mm -hmm. And I think you should watch that episode, listen to that episode, however you digest your podcasts. Mm -hmm. And I think that it would really help in you starting a new friendship life. Mm -hmm. Expand your circle. This friend, she really showed her true colors. Interestingly, by you doing a terrible thing, you exposed how actually terrible she is. Mm. And I don't think she's worth your time. I think it's a mistake to say because a friendship has been around for 30 years, it's therefore worth continuing to invest in. No. I almost wish that Anonymous had apologized less and been like, yes. let's talk about why Oops. I sent that. Oops, let's talk about this. Yes. That's it. Yeah. That's what she should have said. Or, or done my strategy. Which, <laughs> <laughs> The reason I say that is there's one particular friend that comes to mind where when I lean into my natural inclination to apologize, sort of as almost like a knee jerk thing, like I, no. I'm Canadian and it's almost like, oh, sorry, like I didn't mean to blah, blah, blah. This, this particular friend has a certain personality type where it's almost like, it's okay. Like, she's not like, oh, don't worry about it. Like, yeah, you're apologizing when you don't need to. It's more like the more I apologize, the more she kind of acts like I have something to apologize for. Mm. And that's the vibe I'm getting here. It's like the more you apologize, the more this friend's just like, yeah, you did do horrible. Yes, you should. Yes, the thing you did was so horrible to me. I am the victim. Along those lines, I think she's taking enjoyment out of this. I think she's oh, savoring this, her righteousness. This person loves being the victim. Honestly, it tracks with it everything's connected it tracks with anonymous sending the text in the first place that she's fucking sick of this friend I, I, who's not a good friend i gotta be honest with you i got i think i know what anonymous should do what i think she should send an intentional go fuck yourself text. <laughs> i don't like to do this typically i i hate being like coulda woulda shoulda this is what you should have done like i actually hate it when people do that yeah. But in this situation, I think it might be helpful because Anonymous does have a track record sure. with like kind of a rocky friendship situation. So Anonymous, just reading over this, I feel maybe what you should have done would be to A, apologize less and more be like, clearly that wasn't meant to be sent to you. But honestly, I have been having frustrations in our friendship and like it was cowardly of me to, to send, you know, I, sh I should have just called you directly and then and like I'm calling you right now. Like literally like put it on her to not answer your call. Do you know what I mean? I, I Even agree. though she says that their friendship is not normally handled in a direct fashion like this. One thing I've actually learned from you, Andy, you've taught me this and more so with regards to like business and work, but you're very right about this. Nothing can replace talking on the phone yes. in real time as a matter of fact if i had sent that text and i didn't use my other strategy yeah i would have picked up the phone immediately no follow-up text no time in between mm -hmm. as soon as i got my stomach back in its central position in my body yeah i would have picked up the phone and i would have given her a call yeah this is one of those situations where the rules by which your friendship functions or has functioned historically for the last 30 it's years. It's yeah, this is a different category. Yeah. You're not going to handle it in the same way that you've handled all the other conflict. This is a phone call situation. And it's worth mentioning that when that happened to me in my late twenties, I did call the friend right away and her, how she handled that showed me a lot. She was impossible to reach. I kept calling. I text no. her to say, when, when are you free? When can we talk on the phone? Like, I think that, you know, we should get to the bottom of this. And the fact that she 
continued to play victim, but also wouldn't talk to me on the phone to know why I was upset yeah. in the first place was can I, so much information. Can I say you never want to be in relationships of any kind with someone who savors punishing you. Yes. I Yes. What I learned about that particular friend was that she relished being yeah. the victim in that situation. Yes. And the irony, of course, is that this particular friend, too, was the ultimate shit talker. She talked shit about everyone in a way that I was acutely aware of how much she must be talking shit about me. There you go. And so it is kind of rich when that's turned around in this way where they're suddenly the victim. It takes one to know one. It does take one to know one. Okay, so moving on from what you should have done, because that's not really helpful. (laughs) I just think it's, you know, if anyone's listening and is in a similar situation. But Anonymous, at the top of your email, you talk about how this is the only time you laugh. And you mentioned you don't have a partner, you don't have friends. I, what I implore you to do is take a little responsibility in the fact that you're the common denominator in that. I'm not saying that that makes your friend correct in the situation because I right. don't think it does. But, you know, you create your own reality to some extent and certainly your own social circle to some extent. And what does it say about how proactive you're being if the one friend that you say you had is from 30 years ago mm-hmm. I and, agree. and even she has frustrated you. There's a passivity there, yeah. a lack of like getting out, out of your shell or thinking outside the box or being creative right. and being forward and all these things that might be uncomfortable now, but could ultimately cultivate a social circle and a, a life that would really fill your cup. I completely agree. I think this is one of those questions where it's really like a red herring or a Trojan horse. Totally. The real issue is that anonymous, you have to expand your social circle. Yes. Also upgrade to iOS (laughs) 16.1 immediately. But you really need to forget about this person. Mm -hmm. Eventually, maybe they'll come back around and be like, you know what? Maybe it's a little hard on you. Who cares? This is the past. It's 30 years of your past. Yeah. Let's get some new friends. You are quite literally a different person than you were when you first met and became friends with this person. Yeah. You know what I think? She feels shame. Yeah. She she feels like sick about it, which I totally understand. Trust me, I know so acutely that feeling of regret that you feel. But I think hemming and hawing over it and kind of like spiraling over it and trying to fix it, it's broken. Let this go. This was already broken before you sent that text. Yeah. It was the reason you sent that text is because it was broken. I actually also, just to end on a lighter note, I have a funny story about sending a wrong text. Okay. Funny now, probably not funny at the time. (laughs) Okay. I once had a very, like, the the one-nightiest stand of one-night stands. (laughs) This is already funny. Yeah. So this girl left my apartment and I happened to be in a conversation with my mother about something she was going through. <laughs> it was late at night. Was, she was Is like there having an a hard I time. I love you coming here. <laughs> okay. What, what was the exact wording? Oh my God. There was no exact wording. It was literally, I love you. <laughs> yeah. Needless to say, I never heard from that girl again. <laughs> oh, oh, interesting. Wait, but would you have wanted to? Uh, Probably probably not. That could have been horrible in a different direction where like suddenly she was like, oh, my God. Oh, no, 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 no. She was she was gone with the wind. (laughs) That was the end of that. But I always wanted to to hear her appreciate how funny that was. Yeah. And I never got that. So so you followed up with sorry, I meant to send that to my mom and she never replied. 
No, I actually never responded at all. I was too mortified to even ever send a text again. Wait, so you said I love you and that's the last text in that thread. That's correct. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that takes balls on your part that you didn't. You you know what it was like? It was like like an artwork. It was a piece of art that I didn't want to ruin. I wanted it to stay that way. Oh, wow. Okay, Anonymous. I want you to get out there and make some friends. Don't rely too much she said she had an adult daughter i don't rely too much on having adult children as being your social life and finally please stop self-flagellating over this because remember your friend while yes what you did was shitty your friend had zero curiosity as to how she could frustrate you or make you so upset or whatever she could have contributed to that situation in the first place yeah all right good luck All right, this next question is from Making an Effort. Hi, Shandy. I have been listening to you two for about a year now after a good friend recommended your podcast to me, and I have been hooked. Way to go, good friend. (laughs) While I love your recaps and Love Fest episodes, the Q&As are definitely my favorite. Thank you, Effort. (laughs) Effort. You got to change your name. I would like your advice on something that I think is a relatively small issue in our relationship, but my boyfriend finds it to be a very big deal. I am a 32-year-old female, and my boyfriend is a 35-year-old male, and we live in Los Angeles. We have been dating for just over six months, and we align on a lot of topics, future family plans, religious and political beliefs, life goals, and outlooks. We get along well and feel comfortable being very open with each other. We have hit a hiccup with something that we don't align on, dancing. He loves to dance. He tells happy stories about living it up at weddings, parties, clubs, and dancing the night away. I, however, am not much of a dancer. I may bob my head to a live band, but outside of that, I find dancing to be rather uncomfortable. We went out to a bar that had a DJ and a dance floor last weekend, and we got a few drinks at the bar. The dance floor was pretty empty for the first couple of hours we were there, but as it began to fill up, I could tell that he wanted to get on the floor and dance. I didn't want to. My vibe is more of a lounge type setting of chatting and maybe watching a live band, not getting on my feet and boogieing. I knew it was coming and he finally tried to convince me to dance. I denied him twice, but was adamant that he is welcome to dance even with other people. I just didn't have any interest in doing it. I know I sound like a wet blanket, but this is something that I have never had much interest in doing, and he knows this. This bar wasn't the plan for the night, and I didn't realize what I was getting into. Otherwise, I would have lowered his expectations sooner. He knows that dancing is something that I don't have interest in doing, so I was a little frustrated he put me in that situation. We left shortly after I denied him and discussed it more when we got back to my apartment. I told him that I knew I disappointed him, but that dancing just isn't my thing. Trying to find a way to meet him halfway, I suggested that we take a dance class together. I thought that... That's what I was going to suggest. Yeah, I was waiting for it, but she took it. I thought that may be a way to get more comfortable with the idea of dancing and give me a base to start from to feel comfortable with getting on a random dance floor at a bar. Mm -hmm. He strongly refused, saying that dancing is something that should just come from within. Mm. It's not something you should take a class for. I told him that it doesn't come naturally to me and that a class would be a good way to get me started trying it and it could be something fun to do together. He still refused, insisting the only way to do it is to get on the dance floor, throw caution to the wind, and just dance. That's funny. Just dance. (laughs) Sounds like a choreographer. (laughs) 
That's actually, I think that's a, a Jamiroquai. So that's the Just Dance. There's a song. There's a call. Just Dance. Just Dance. That's all I know. <laughs> I thought that dance lessons were a decent compromise and that it showed that I am making an effort to do something that I have refused to do for 32 years of my life. Wow. The issue didn't resolve, but we have let it go at this point, but I am certain that it will come up as an issue again in the future. It's frustrating to me that something like this is such an issue when so many other things align. I have told him that he can go out and dance with his friends and enjoy this however he chooses, but I can also understand that he wants to be able to connect with me as his partner specifically on this. I just feel like he only wants to do this on his own terms, though. What is the solution to this? Do I cave and throw myself into a situation where I will feel very uncomfortable and just hope that he's right in that we may both enjoy ourselves? Or do I push him to try my compromise of a dance lesson and ease myself in? Please help sincerely making an effort. Okay. First of all, I'm I'm with effort. By the way, effort, <laughs> if it wasn't a word, yeah. actually a decent name. Totally, but for some, the meaning of the word effort right, makes it, it hilarious it. Yeah. as a name. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I am with effort. I am that person. I've never been a, like, anytime it's like, oh, I can't wait to go out and go dancing. I'm like, yeah. really? That's not what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to just getting drunk. I kind but, of almost <laughs> judge those people a bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, a little, I, yeah. I'm always, I'm a little judgy too, but I respect it. Yeah. It's just something I don't speak. I don't speak that language. And I, look, it takes me a few drinks and I'll start dancing. And I'm mm-hmm. never like, I never fully get into it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll be like, oh, this is all right. Then I'm like, okay, two songs. That's enough. Let's go back to the bar and chat. Yeah. I'm much more of a chatter. Yeah. I like a good we, chat. We relate to you, Effort in that we would prefer a sort of loungy setting where you yeah. can hear each other speak. We're both not big dancers. No, you are, is, you're similar to me. You're probably a little more of a dancer than me and what? you're a very cute dancer. I, well, so first, I'm not a good dancer. This We have to get this out but of the you're way. So, it's so cute. Wait, oh, so you, you agree? You bop. You agree that I'm not a good dancer? No, no, you're a good, <laughs> you're a good, not good dancer. You're no, very I'm, I'm good not. at not being a dancer. Okay, okay I do bop. You bop. I, I have like it's, two it's moves. It's like a bop. <laughs> It's cute because you're so into it, too. You're like, let's dance. And then you're like. (laughs) It's just funny. It's very cute. But neither of us are big dancers. You are 100% not weird. This is a lot of people feel Mm -hmm. this way. Trust me. It's just that the people who are really into dancing are much more vocal about dancing, as always is the case. And you know what bothers me, too, there, it's sort of like being a really good singer and being like, just sing. It should come from within. within. It's like there is skill involved in dancing. And if you have zero of it, this is a lot more uncomfortable than for someone who naturally has rhythm or grew up dancing or just has it in them. It's not really about the skill. It's about the rhythm. You have to have really innate rhythm to be a good dancer. there's also skill because I have decent Uh, rhythm. You can just sort of do stupid stuff. As long as it's in rhythm, it kind of looks normal. Oh, so my bopping, therefore. Your bopping is in rhythm. (laughs) Yeah, your bopping is like a metronome. (laughs) Yeah. You're literally like... If there's one thing I have, it's rhythm. I just don't have any of the skill. No, no. It's it's, it's so cute. Just thinking about it, it warms my heart. But... It is totally not wrong of you to say, look, I'm just not into dancing. It makes me uncomfortable. You enjoy it. You can even go dance with other girls. I don't even care. Do whatever you need to do. I'm just not going to be very into this. But, but I will say this as a partner, and this applies to all relationships, if there's something your partner really loves and wishes they could share with you, you should make some effort. And you did do the effort with with the dancing lessons. That was a very good call. I was going to recommend that. There should be some effort to try to find a middle ground. And this is how I think you should try this. This is this. Are you ready? Yeah, I am ready. I'm excited. Okay. (laughs) Wait till you're totally home alone. And I mean, 
no chance of interruption, nothing. Like you're alone for hours by yourself. You can get naked and go crazy. Have a drink, put on your favorite music. I don't know what music it is. Um, preferably not classical, I guess, because <laughs> I don't know if you're going like, we, you know. We know what you mean. Yeah, the, like the pop music, music of the, some sort. The music sorts. that you would most likely dance to yeah. if you were to dance. Yes. And just start dancing like I know they always say dance like no one's watching, but that's no one will be watching yeah. and do it. Just move and see where your body takes you and really get into it. Like just just do what you do to make your body happy during that song and see where it goes. And if you get to a point where you're like, oh, this isn't that bad. Do it in front of a mirror. This is going to be so embarrassing that you're going to be embarrassed for yourself, but let it go. Can I get to a place by myself with a song that I like where I actually feel kind of good about moving to the music? And does it look not totally embarrassing? And then if you get to a point where that works, then you, that's the way to train yourself into doing it in a real time event. And honestly, as embarrassing as it is, I've done that. Mm. As a teenager in high school, I did that. It was so mortifying. I looked back and even then I was like, God, that's embarrassing. <laughs> but it kind of worked. I kind of was like, oh, this is my thing. This I, I my found move. a move. I was like, I had a move. Like it was like, a, like a, I don't know, it was a terrible move. It was maybe the worst move of all time. But it worked for me. And it got me girls sometimes. Aww. I even got girls from this terrible dancing. Oh, that's cute. But it, it worked because you have to just let it go. And the fact is, he's right about that. You can be the worst dancer in the world. It can even be funny. As a matter of fact, there's nothing. Is there nothing more entertaining than watching someone who's a terrible oh dancer dance on the dance floor like they're so into it? Oh, it's actually, I would rather watch that than an amazing dance. Who wants to watch an amazing dance? No, there's a million amazing dancers. I'll go to I the ballet. Watch, I, wanna, I don't need that. Yeah, and not in a haha, that person sucks funny. It's more in like, I want to be that person when I grow yes, up. Yes, not giving a shit. Yeah. And preferably in rhythm. Preferably in rhythm. Well, okay. Okay. So I actually love your advice for this. I love your advice. It reminds me of like singing in the shower. I actually think yeah. singing and dancing, you know, they're often lumped together. And I think for good reason. Yes. Because we've said before that Very we think- vulnerable. Yes. And we've said before that singing is basically pitch and affect. Yeah. I honestly think dancing is just rhythm and any movement, literally anything. Like as long as it's on rhythm, you're dancing. Yeah. Right. There's no right or wrong. And the saying dance like nobody's watching. The good news is nobody is watching. No one cares. No one cares. No one. Unless you go yeah, nuts. I'm saying like full flash dancing craziness on <laughs> the dance floor. Which I don't floor. picture effort doing. Yeah. Saturday night fever. You're not doing that. Yeah. No one gives one solitary turd yeah. about your not great dancing. Yeah. Nobody. No one. And your partner will be so psyched. He'll be like, oh, she's the bad dancer and she's going through this pain for me. Isn't yeah. that so sweet? Or he would just find it cute the way you find my bopping cute. Yes. My rhythmic bopping. Yes. It's very cute. It's very we bad. We should get a video of it sometime. So the first time I read this email, I was like, oh, she doesn't want to dance. She shouldn't have to dance. But I actually, and I say this, uh, sorry, I called her anonymous. It's effort. <laughs> effort. I say this as someone who I, I was you. Like I really was. I would never danced. I never did it. Mm. I base, I'm, I'm a drunk dancer. I only dance yeah, yeah. when I've oh, had... Yeah several drinks and the yep. right song comes on. I oh, joke yeah. that the stars have to align for me to dance. Yep. It's always uncomfortable for me. Sure. That first time when Absolutely. I get out there and I'm even when I'm tipsy and the right song comes on, I'm like, I'm like, this is the moment. Like I have to seize that moment. And if I don't, then I don't end up dancing for the rest of the night. But the times that I have seized it, 
I end up having a really nice time and no one really is watching you. And there is something freeing about, God, it's so cliche, about, you know, stepping outside your comfort zone and doing the thing that scares you. Yeah, it's like peeing in the woods. <laughs> is it like peeing in the it woods? It is like peeing in the woods. <laughs> and to bring it back to what you said, Andy, about, you know, these little compromises, it's like, am I that interested in boxing? No, I had never seen a boxing match in my life, but you love boxing so much that on a Saturday night, you'll be like, oh, there's some good box on tonight. And I'm like, really? And we'll often like, it's not like we spend the whole night watching, like you'll end up watching the undercards later on your own. But the big fight that you're really excited about, I will watch with you because you you're just so into it. And and I've you know, I've learned some stuff and it's it's just a sweet thing to to share that with your partner. Good parallel. Oh, I'm not saying that you should do something that makes you uncomfortable. All I'm saying is that doing something that makes you uncomfortable once in a blue moon might make you a happy you did it and be less uncomfortable about it over time. And you're going to take the elephant out of the room because for the rest of your life, dancing is always going to be this elephant in the room. Mm. And if you just do it, and you say, yeah, I'm not, this is not great dancing, but at least I'm doing it. From then on, it's no longer the elephant. You're just like, oh, we're dancing. Okay, let's dance. Who cares? Yeah. The dancing's not great. I'm not that into it, but I'm dancing. It's no longer a big, heavy thing that you have to stress about. Yeah. And I also don't think it should be something that you feel like you have to do every weekend now. True. The thing about this is that differs from other, almost everything where it's something the person's uncomfortable with, but their partner wants them to do it, mm-hmm. I would say, don't do it. 100%. Yeah. There's no victim here. Yeah. This is unfortunately, this is the most innocent thing. Yeah. It's unfortunately for you because of its innocence puts you in a position where you kind of have to try. <laughs> because of its innocence. All right. Good luck, effort. <laughs> I think that's a wrap, Andy, for this Q&A. That's the end of that. Yeah. yeah. If you enjoyed what you heard today, you know what we will ask of you, and that is to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, follow us on Instagram and... TikTok. Leave us Apple and Spotify podcast ratings and reviews and generally do all of the things. Shall we dance the rest of this? All of the things that you would do to support a podcast that you enjoy and that dances horribly for you. Thank you so much for tuning in and we'll see you next time on Dear Shandy. Bye-bye. Dear Shandy.